Hi, I'm Cheryl Sitz. Today we're joined by a master storyteller who's participated in some extraordinary healing ceremonies with the Bushmen in the Kalahari Desert. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Possibilities. We broadcast now on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, my website, journeyofpossibilities.com, and my new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Cheryl Sitz. It's our mission in each and every show to explore holistic, spiritual ways that you can transform your life from the inside out. We'll speak with today's guest, Neil Del Strother, in just a moment. Mario Rosales of Tech Life Balance and I invest a lot of time, energy, and money into creating some high-quality podcasts each week and sharing those with you. Do you like what you hear on our show? If so, we'd love for you to drop us a little love once in a while with your contribution of any amount that's comfortable for you at journeyofpossibilities.com slash support. We appreciate it and we couldn't do it without your help. So thank you so much. Speaking of Mario, we've been doing this for a while. I learn so much from our guests every week. I love doing this and broadening our reach around the world. How long have we been at this now? We've been here since 2012 on this podcast. And what do you guys think? Are you enjoying the content? How about you? Have you actually thought about doing one also? I know when I started with Cheryl, Cheryl was like, what in the world is a podcast? (laughs) And I thought it was an excellent way for her to get her message out. And I want to share this with you also. So if if you want a podcast or if you've been contemplating, what kind of message would you want to put out in a podcast? And I start you from the beginning, just like I started with Cheryl. So why not contact me at marioversales.net or at techlifebalance.net. Thank you so much. Who are you? Why are you here? What wonders and opportunities await you beyond physical death? What happened millennia ago to create the damaged earth and fractured societies you see around you? Empowering, enlightening, internationally acclaimed, the Joseph Communications books offer answers to these questions. Spiritual, concise, contemporary, non-denominational, the communications originate from Joseph, a highly evolved discarnate spirit concerned for you and the future of the planet and its peoples. The words of Joseph and his soul group give you the power to bring light and change into your own life and the lives of others and to restore the earth. Available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook formats, the communications can be ordered today at www.thejosephcommunications.com and also from Amazon and other major booksellers. All proceeds are used for further publishing and advertising and to make the communications available worldwide. And now for today's guest. Neil Delstrother is the author of six novels to date. He's a freelance writer of 20 years, a senior journey practitioner of 17 years, a podcast host, and a father. He has a master's in journalism, a dip psych, an honors degree in politics and American studies, and his experience in shamanism includes taking part in some extraordinary healing ceremonies with the Bushmen in the Kalahari Desert. I'm noticing an African theme lately. That's kind of interesting. We'll have to explore that. You'll find him online at neildelstrother.co.uk. Welcome, Neil. Hi. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you so much for joining us from across the pond, where it's a little bit later in the evening. (laughs) It is, and a little bit colder, I suspect. But anyway, yeah, spring is coming. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's a little bit later getting to you, isn't it? (laughs) 
It was around Christmas, actually, when I found your website. And it's unusual for me to do that where I'm surfing the web and I just reach out to somebody. But I felt such a connection to you and what you do. And then I got an opportunity to read your book, The Flower in the Desert. What what a great storyteller you are. Well, thank you. I mean, that's, that's lovely. I'm, being English, I want to get all bashful on you now. So I don't, <laughs> <laughs> how do I answer that? Thank you very much. I will take that compliment openly. Good. Beautiful. Please do. Yeah. It was such a treat to read your book. Sometimes I read a lot of books doing this show because, you know, I interview a lot of authors and that means I read a lot of books. And this was yes. just, I couldn't put it down. It was delightful. But before I jump into your book, I kind of want to get to know you a little better, especially this Kalahari bit. That's interesting. How how did that come to be for you? Uh, that was a that was a really amazing trip, I have to say. Uh, well, I've been doing over the years quite a bit of shamanic work, amongst other things that I do. And uh, there was just an opportunity to go with a bunch of people who was, you know, learning sh- shamanism, I suppose, uh, to go to the Kalahari. So we went about, I don't know, um, probably seven or eight of us, and we went right into the middle of the Kalahari. Um, you know, not not around the Okavanga Delta and all that, around that sort of area, and then hundreds of miles right in the middle of nowhere. And there was just this amazing festival going on, which was this um, Bushman dance festival with different tribes, well, not only Bushman, tribes from all over Africa turning up. You know, so you're walking through this campsite with people. Just, I mean, it was just mine. It was just beautiful, actually, but mind-boggling you know to see yeah. just being being in this place and then uh but we also had arranged these um bushmen to do these ceremonies and so sort of right in the middle of the desert with the just the moon and the stars uh they dressed up in how they would have been dressed you know millennia ago um doing all the the chanting and the the dancing and the the boiling energy when they just sort of almost go into, well they do go into trance um, and then this really powerful healing stuff going on with us, and um, oh, it was it, it was it was incredible to be honest. It was really remarkable and fantastic. It sounds like it. What was like last show? We actually interviewed a woman, Carly Matamore, who wrote about the sacred messengers of shamanic Africa, and she's been to Africa several times. So I think this Africa theme is interesting, and it's emerging <laughs> yeah. for me now. What wisdom did you bring home from Africa if you had to sum it up, something that stands out for you from that? Well, part of the wisdom was that I wasn't all that brilliant at shamanism. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it, was just, it was just so incredible because they did these ceremony and did this healing and it was like, you know, incredible and you could feel this energy and this connection. And then they wanted us to do it to them. And it was like, oh my good God! You know, it, was like, it was like it was like Einstein asking me to teach him physics. You know, it was, it was just uh, impossible. And so, in a way, I mean, humility was one of the things I think I learned. Yeah. Um, but the other was, I don't know, just just the sense of wonder. You know, this sort of incredible sense of wonder and richness. And uh, I mean, I suppose I'd bring it in now. You know, this 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 sense of just so much we have to treasure, and uh, you know that we should be treasuring. Yeah, I would imagine the connection between us and the planet would be strong in a place like that, where they still celebrate that as a way of life. I think so. I mean, actually, the Bushman story is, is generally a very sad one. They've been treated appallingly, but, yes. but you know, there still is underneath this tradition, um, and they can still, you know, key into it as if, as if nothing's happened, as if they're still living wild and free in, 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 the, in the Kalahari, which they're not. On, uh, very few are. Right. And, um, 
Yes, but you, it's this connection, you know, because we sat in the stomach of the Sadilla Hills, which is like this, these hills in the middle of absolutely nowhere where Lawrence van der Post went and found these cave drawings. And it's effectively, this is, you know, it, it, it probably isn't, but it's, it's, it's seen as the first place of man. Yes. So you're in this cave in the Sadilla Hills where we're doing this big meditation thing. And I was just thinking, my, you know, this is just such, I don't know, you could just feel the connection to where we came from and and that that reconnecting with the sort of natural us is uh, in a very conscious way is i think one of our great challenges now i agree with that and it it almost feels when i'm feeling into you talking about it and describing what it was like like this time portal opens right or or the illusion of time disappears and where we come from is where we are now. Like it's, it doesn't seem like such a far distance as it does in our modern world. No, I, I, I think in our sort of hearts, it, it's there's no distance at all. But in our minds, it, unfortunately, we've got sucked into a way of being that's very divorced from from that. Yes, you mention quite a, a lifetime of of shamanic practices and shamanic studies that you've had, and. And your book is directly tied to or an outbirthing of that because your your book, this is such a, a quick, beautiful read. And I'm speaking, of course, about the flower in the desert. Yeah. And it's heart-centered. And that to me is, if I had to define what, what's different about the shamanic path, it's heart-centered. And we've moved away from that. And this is a beautiful story about the journey back to the heart or emerging, connecting with the heart. Yes. Um, I mean, shamanic and it's also the, the other journey thing I do is more to do with trauma and emotional um, work. Um, and I see, you know, the way I see it, it's it's no particular tradition that the book is about. In fact, the book, and I could even go as far as, I mean, I sort of know what I was feeling and, and, and intending with the book when I was writing it. But I, I, in a way, there's a different meaning for everybody. In a way, it's the space. I was thinking about it before, before you rang, actually. Because I wrote it um, purposefully, very simply, and uh, I feel it's a little bit the notes, you know, like when you when you listen to music, it's the silence that, in a sense, defines the music, uh, the silence between the notes. And um, I feel in in that in that book, that's what I'm hoping is felt. Yes. Yes. Mm. It's not a very large book. It's not a very lengthy book. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But there is so much in there. It is rich with symbolism. I, it, it's written in such a simple way that I, I felt like a little girl sitting down to story time again. And I haven't felt that reading a book in a long time. And yet it's rich with meaning. It, the symbolism, it's rich with things that we can really awaken to in our adult life. The 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 returning journey to the flower in the desert. I, I don't want to give yeah. the whole story away. How do you sum it up when someone asks you what it's about? I generally stutter and fall <laughs> over and can't, <laughs> can't, can't quite do it. Um, so uh, it's very hard for me to, to do because, as you say, the story, you know, it sounds like, very simple and of course it's it's the felt sense as you're reading it but I would I would say it is a journey that we all have on offer and some of us take I don't think everyone does take it and it is a great shame that everyone doesn't because you know it it is reconnecting with our essential nature I'm, I'm not specifically saying that's what it's about actually but I mean effectively that's what 
in general is about. Yes, and the interesting paradigm shift, well, or the paradox of it is, he goes on a journey out to, out of his little village and into the desert and finds himself. And that tends to be what we do. We think we need to get somewhere. We think we need to be somewhere. But it's when we finally take whatever journey that unexpectedly leads us into the heart of ourself that life really begins. And you're right. There are some people that I know that have gone through many, many years of their life and never taken that. And and I've had people tell me the journey I've been on for the last decade is kind of nuts, you know, because I went to right. Peru yeah. and started yeah. to, I took a, a pretty interesting dive too, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. I feel like in many ways, that's when my life began. Is that, how do you sum up the shamanic path for you? Well, I think there's this, this great paradox is that, that actually being opening to what you're talking about, this being connected to oneself, being connected beyond oneself, is actually not. It's actually not easy. I mean, it's a, it's a big. Uh, you know, it, it's allowing all of the emotional stuff. It's allowing all of the thoughts. It's allowing everything, and of course that that can be quite scary. Uh, it's you know very often we try and diminish our lives to control them, and it's the opposite. Um, and then it's to realise that they aren't our that 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 which we have thought was our life isn't our life. It is an it's an aspect of our lives, but it's not the essential life. Absolutely, and a whole lot of it is just a distraction. <laughs> quite well, honestly, yeah, I mean, I, I know. And I, and the one thing I must say, I mean, you know, of course, I'm uh, yeah, I can talk very wisely here, but you know, like anybody else, I can cock things up left, right, and center. It's not a problem. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, but there is, there is, and I think that's part of it that we can, uh, you know, that, that that lives go on, but it's just being, um, it's not even anchored, but being opened into the into the place where it where it comes from or or it, or it or it is experienced so we we kind of got deep here pretty quickly but i tend to do that <laughs> with guests so i hope that's all right i think the listeners have come to expect it by now it's like okay get your seatbelt on we're going in <laughs> i could do lighter cup of tea i could do english nice buses no problem <laughs> Well, I wanted to kind of ask you an overarching question because I keep referring to the shamanic journey, the shamanic practices, the shamanic traditions. How do you define shamanism? Is it a religion to you? Is it a perspective? What is it? Uh, and it's, you know, I wouldn't want to overegg my, you know, abilities. And as I say, I think it, no, it definitely isn't. In fact, I think it's unreligion. It's, um, it's about it's about letting go of the things that we hold on to as being truth and, and, and sitting in what, what is, you know, it's like unpicking. And I think it has a lot of, I mean, there's different types of shamanism, obviously, and there's different, different ways that people experience things. But for me, it's, um, a, a sort of, I suppose, a nature tradition, quite a gentle one, actually, relatively. Um, and I think that there's the, is it um, animism, you know, the, the idea that everything has a life, everything has at some level, everything is alive. Um, and, you know, there's so much talk about being one and all the rest of it that, you know, in, in, generally in this world these days. But I mean, in reality, if that's true, then everything, everything is alive. There is something, depending on what we mean by alive, but there's a, you know, there's a vibration, there's a, there's a connectedness throughout it all. And I think shamanism is absolutely about that. I agree. I love that in unreligion. I'm hanging on to that one. I'll, I'll, I'll give you credit for it. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. yes. Yeah, I like that. That's true. And and everything does have a, an essence or, or a, a spirit, as some say, uh, however you want to look at it. 
So where does trauma fit in? How do you explain the work that you do with trauma? Because I don't think if, if we say, oh, yeah, and he'll help you heal your trauma, people don't really want to, to go into their trauma because it hurts, right? So how do you, is it that they, they just rip it open somehow one day or it catches up with them and they decide to do it? Or how do you, how do people find well, you in your of, work? So often it's people, I mean, the sad thing is that very often it's people who are very ill. Um, because they've, you know, well, I, I never want to attribute anything to anything in a sense, because I don't know. But, you know, you do feel that if people aren't aren't allowing their emotions there, say if they've been sexually abused and they don't allow that to be felt, released, um, I don't know about healed, but at least the wound to be there and to be felt, the um, then, then then they're holding it. And then it's something that something that fest, can fester, not always. Um, and that, and then if that leads on to something else, and then it could manifest in something physical, and not not always. People can live very healthy, happy lives and never touch any of this stuff. But if it does, then quite often they come to something like the the journey, which is what I do, because it's a very powerful way of just going right. You know, we're not going to talk for ten years um, in therapy, although that has its value. But we're just going to take a sledgehammer and smash into <laughs> it, and uh, and uh, trust that your body knows what healing it needs. Yeah, it is a sledgehammer. That's what I found when I when I went in. I was working with plant medicine, and I'm not sure if you're referring to working with plant medicines or drumming or sound or well, there's I don't, many the, ways. The journey thing I do is not not with plant medicine. I'm very aware of all that area, but actually, it's not something I've been involved in. I've been more involved in um, working with it. It's a, it's a particular process I do, but a sort of interpretation of it, which um, which takes people into their body um, in a in a in a different sort of way. Yeah. Wonderful. Are you able to do that at a distance or do they need to come to you? No, I can do that on Skype. Yeah, Skype works. Um, yes, I can. Yeah, Skype's very good, actually. In fact, I, I often do with people, you know, all over the place, to be honest. But, um, you know, the absolute best, I guess, would be face to face. But it's it's if someone's present, if someone's open, if someone's ready, that's enough. Yes. And I have experienced both. I have experienced some very effective work at, at a distance using technology to connect. And it's it's absolutely on us. It's about creating the space to be able to be present and open and vulnerable, whatever yeah. the process. If you need to fly there to do it, do it, right? If you can yeah, do it in your living room, yeah. that's great too. I think you see I think if if we've done the work if we're continuing to do the work if we if we're humble and not pretending that we're something somehow superior if we're not pretending we're not without wounds then that's permission to someone else someone else can feel that I'm not if I'm working with someone I'm just not coming from any place of hubris you know sometimes I think my god what am I doing this when I've had an argument with someone or something but there's something sort of uh, channeled sounds like it's I'm talking about channeling but there's something that comes through us rather than from us that 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 because we've done work it creates a spaciousness that allows things to come through which is true of the writing I do by the way but it's definitely true also the journey work I do and it's all powerful work. I felt the, that reading your book was healing. There was a healing energy to your book, to the the gentleness well, I, of the process. I would really like to feel that each of the books is is our healing. Actually, I mean, it's lovely that you say that. I'm delighted you say that because, from my point of view, that would be the genre um, of books that deal with. Because my journey has been about working with emotional um, traumas of staff, my own issues and what have you and i 
I feel very much that when I work through something, what I'm giving, I hope, is a gift that allows other people to to, to work through it. Absolutely. I not, agree with that. Not not consciously, by the way, because, it, well, consciously in a way, but the, the books aren't like, you know, very, um, I hope, not anyway, sort of precious or self-righteous or anything. The idea is that they're good stories or, you know, very readable. But definitely yes. I feel that deeper, deeper thing is there too. Well, I'm hooked. I'm going to read. So what's the next best book I should read that you've written? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I had a horrible feeling you might ask me something <laughs> like that. Um, well, there's the ones on the Skype are um, nice and easy for you to get hold of, which is handy. But the the only the other one that go go with a deer on a lead is a, um, is is the second one that I wrote. Well, no, no, it actually isn't the second one I wrote, but it's one that uh, I wrote um, subsequent to the other one, obviously. And that's very much. Um, it's a sort of mixture of fantasy and um, reality, and it's a it, it, ostensibly it's and not that full on. It's about the healing of of, of somebody who, who becomes anorexic, and they became become anorexic, and they through a sort of um, fantasy type thing. It's it, it meets with the healing, but obviously that fantasy is of course how our unconscious works. Our unconscious doesn't think in words and so on in the same way. It's through symbols and through and through um, you know lots of other bits and pieces, but certainly not like our conscious minds work. And of course, so it's based you know that level. It's going into the unconscious and finding the healing there. So that might be one. Yeah, that sounds like a good story. Yeah, um, the uh, there's one called I, I mean I can go through, but I, I won't go through more. But there's one called Aurora Rising, which I think is very good for people who who are are, are working with grief. Um, that's a very much a, a, a grieving book, and I one thing that I'm very strong on is that I think and grieving is something we do very bad. Certainly in England, I expect in the states uh, we do very badly. The idea is we're meant to sort of just pull it together, get ourselves together, put on a brave face, all this stuff. Um, and yeah, I think if we can't grieve, and I don't mean just for a death, I mean perhaps for a childhood that wasn't lived fully or or even for, you know, just not catching the bus. If we're not able to 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 grieve, if we're not able to feel that, that the, the sort of the more sad or whatever way you want to call the feelings melancholy feelings how can we feel the love because it's it's the other side of the same coin and actually it's imbued with love grieving is a beautiful thing if if we do it in a conscious lovely way and it's so true we've our culture is not one to do that we you know the minute we see someone who's down we've got to cheer them up and we've got we've got to move those feelings to something more positive we're very judgmental about our emotions aren't we (laughs) Oh, yeah, and I wouldn't even say it's down grieving. I, I would say it's like you know, r- you know, a river will run through some beautiful scenery, and it will run through some ravines, and it will run, well, which are all beautiful, but you know what I mean. It will run through some wastelands, you know. But it, the river is still the river. It's not. It's not a. It's. It's not. It, it, it's not a down feeling in itself. It's just part of the experience of working through things, moving through. Spoken as eloquently as I would expect from a good writer. Thank you for that. That was beautiful imagery. (laughs) And that was my initiation into the shamanic. You know, I traveled to Peru and I've told this story, I think, on the show before, but I I did the diet and everything expecting to prepare myself for ayahuasca. And he said, you're not ready for that. And right. and then when a shaman brews you a tea, get ready. And he said, I'm going to brew you a little tea because you have a few tears to cry. And for six months I cried because oh. I had not grieved anything in my life. And I had a lot that I was carrying and it was all in my body. So 
I know that he saved my life with that. And, and now I, I cry a lot more easily than I used to, but I still am learning how to just let go. It's, it's very ingrained in our society not to let those side, that side of ourselves show. I know it's crazy, isn't it? And uh, I mean, even listening to you, I feel quite tearful. Listening to you. <laughs> um, it's um, we could have a weep in on the radio. Um, it's uh, yes, and I think that what a beautiful story because I think you know sometimes I think um, with, with with a lot of things it can be you know there is a time and place for them, and it sounds like that's just a, such a beautiful um, thing to recognise that. Yes. Yes. Your, absolutely. The, you know, um, and we don't allow it. I know. I mean. It, you know, I'm you know I'm brought up in England. You know, you, in America, you're allowed a bit more emotion. I think in England, you know, in, in historically, you know, it was sort of we were, you know, it's really it was very unwholesome to show any emotion. <laughs> or, you know, oh my God, stiff up a lip and uh, yes. you know, let's get on with it. Um, and uh, I suppose the you know, I mean, the cost of that has just been diabolical to our lives, to the richness of our world, to to the way that we, you know, the, to the way that we don't honour the environment, to the way, you know, to the way we treat each other. And I would say that a lot of roots of that are in a sort of, you know, I'd call it, I, I mean, to call it abuse would be pushing it, but there's sort of, in a sense, the lowest level abuse of just not allowing people to feel and be, and, and be connected to who they are. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's a, it's, it's a true identity crisis when we've only allowed ourselves to express a fragment of the range of emotions that we're born with. We really don't have a true sense of our identity because we've made 80% of it something that we can't ever use. Exactly. And, and I mean, part of the fear that people have, I think, is that if they feel, I don't mean, well, I know, and, you know, I, I recognize it myself that, you know, if, if for example, you're going to feel rage or terror or something, that that, that, means some action but of course it doesn't when you when you when it's like if you look with a little baby or something it's just the felt thing it's feeling it in the body and letting it be felt letting it burn let it i don't know vibrate whatever it is and let it just be felt and and work through but don't try and put a lid on it and because you think oh my god if i do that i'm going to go out and you know well you know do something awful but but the likely you know the far more likelihood that someone will go out and do something awful if they've put a lid on it yes and and you're absolutely tapping into something there. We are kind of afraid to feel it because we don't know what what it's going to drive us to do, right? So we just keep <laughs> stuffing it down in the body where it's not meant to be held. So it's terrifying, and you know the whole industry of you know antidepressants and all the rest of it is all about and drinking whatever. I mean, I'm, I enjoy beer, <laughs> you know, I'm English, but um, uh, you know, but all this stuff is all about pushing things down. Yes, you know, it's all about it, and it's so peculiar. You know, a remedy for somebody going a bit bit off because you know they're not in connection with with their lives and with nature and with with the planet or whatever is to think well in that case we better drive that further down because we don't want that rising up because it might make you feel uncomfortable for a while <laughs> yeah you know, yeah so let's just completely narcotize everybody <laughs> and then just get on with get on with doing nonsense things and not know why we're doing it don't you think that's why the the shamanism and the shamanic practices and traditions are becoming so popular now? Because it's kind of this big sigh of relief as more and more people find it and go, oh, good, because I couldn't hold it all in anymore. I needed something to tell me it was okay to let this out and to reconnect. And 
I, I definitely think so. And I think one of the great hopeful things is that this is, you know, and we, you know, we, perhaps we live in a bubble where everybody, we, you know, we're in an algorithm where everybody agrees with us. But, but it's, <laughs> you, know, you know, nonetheless, one of the hopeful things is that more and more people are catching this fire, aren't they? They're, they're, they're feeling, you know, hey, this isn't okay as it is. We've got to change. Yes. I mean, I was just um, on a pilgrimage with something called Extinction Rebellion. I don't know whether you have it out there, but it's, it's just, it's, it's a group of, a movement over here anyway that is to do with hey we've got to make some major changes to get our planet in order and not not just for human beings but for all the animals that are suffering and the you know the the i mean the you know the mass extinction and the climate change and everything you know we we have to step forward and to step forward authentically we need to feel it and it may and it is overwhelming and we need to be okay to be overwhelmed um and we need to keep walking forwards and keep meeting ourselves all the time and it's a challenge of our time. Wow, I have goosebumps. That was really powerful what you just said. Absolutely. And yeah, you know, I do know that it is catching on because I live in a very very conservative part of the United States and right. and changes showing up here. It's showing up everywhere. I think the real drive for that is the mobility of our planet and the access on our planet between technology connecting us with people around the world so that our viewpoint is forever questioned and challenged and, and, you know, new suggestions and ideas emerge. And then we get on planes and travel around the world. And, and so between more travel than ever and more communication than ever, I think these ideas are continuing to crisscross around and people are moving and relocating and bringing them. I do too, and I think, but I do think we're in a time of crisis, and crisis can go either way. This is why we have to step forwards, because it's not not good enough now, not anymore, just to sit and think. Well, I I feel quite wise with this. It is about action too, and I think we have, you know, we are aware. Most of us are aware. Obviously, you can, you can, you're never going to make everybody in the world, you know feel the same or whatever or have the same view i mean it wouldn't even be healthy but you know to, to understand the crisis but but it is about stepping forwards it definitely is and it may only be in a little way i mean i hope through my writing i do it you know it's not it's not um it, it's just using our gifts whatever they happen to be to 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 work to really to, to connect together this great mesh of change you know um and I just wanted to add one thing, actually, which I was, which because it came to me when you were talking, is um, I remember very strongly Eckhart Tolle saying something about, um, you know, at, at times of great crisis, the extremes get stronger, and I think that's exactly what we're seeing. You yes. know, there's a great unveiling going on, and the extremes are getting stronger and stronger. Um, but I, I do would like, in my optimistic moments, I would like to feel that the side um, of love and, you know nurturing and a lot of feminine values by the way the re the re the re uh, gaining of the the feminine into what has been of too male um is will will prevail i hope so i do believe that and mm. and it is even in the smallest of ways so yes we're doing this podcast and i want to get these messages out week after week and that's not only do i love doing this and it it, it is a treat to do it but it's important mm. to share these these perspectives and you never know when someone else is going to hear them and so in that way but it's also about throwing it in the recycle bin instead of the the trash can it's about you know i drive my recycling because i for so long i was unconscious to that and and now that i see how much recycling i go through it's like oh my yes. gosh how much did i send to the trash uh, just oblivious right yes exactly and also i think you know the other thing is to embrace failure because 
you're not going to be perfect. Right. You know, uh, you know, you're not, you know, some people think, well, if I'm going to be vegetarian, for example, then I'm going to have to be vegan or whatever. And that's fine. But, you know, you, you can eat meat. You can do what you like. It's it's just making a step. Yes. You know, don't think that to, to change means you have to be perfect at it. Yes. You can be rubbish at it, but at least you can do <laughs> do a little bit. It doesn't matter. In fact, being rubbish at it is quite good in a way because I think, you know, we don't want a humorless world. Yeah. We want a world where we can we can cock up, we can make, 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 you know, but but the flow is 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 for the good. Yes, we're trying. We're giving it a shot, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And we might as well have fun while we're doing it. You know, you know, it's might as well dance. You know, we might as well make the most of it. It's not. It, it shouldn't be some sort of pious. You know, like um, I mean, there's a horror. You know, there's a horrible temptation, isn't there, to go back into our historical roots of sort of extra. Uh, you know, too much piousness, too much sort of uh, dogma, too much rule-driven stuff. No, it's about being free. It's about being loving. It's about being connected with the, the sort of dance of the world. And, um, you know, that's about shedding this stuff, not about not about taking on more of it. Wow, I could listen to you all day. I'm just sitting here. I was ready to just let you keep going. You're saying some <laughs> great stuff. <laughs> What else would you like our listeners to kind of reflect on? What else has been coming up for you lately as we go through this transformative time on our planet? Um, God, that's a question and a half. Uh, I mean, I've been, I suppose a lot of it is about the sort of perhaps disconnect, but it isn't, between the sort of um, life I can lead, the amount of sort of things I get wrong, the times I notice how um, unevolved I am, the times I see how petty I can be, all this stuff, which somehow seems like, oh, my God, I haven't made any progress at all in my life. Look at me. I'm just a, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> just a idiot. And then at other times, just bit noticing that that it's about integrating that. It's not about letting go of that. It is, oh, I'm sorry, not letting go. It's not about you know, sort of thinking, my God, I can't be like that. Or I, it's like somehow learning to love what what I am, as I am, which I have to say, you know, as I say, I, I'm really not trying to picture myself as any sort of hugely evolved being. It's it's you know, every day is different. And you know, when I'm talking to you, I I'm listening to myself, thinking, "Crikey, I'm what am I? I'm sounding quite good now." <laughs> but another another moment, I might be having a discussion with my daughter about, you know, I don't know, some. TV thing and just uh, arguing about Justin Bieber, you know, it's just, um, <laughs> it's just, it's just embracing it all, and it's all okay. It doesn't all have to be anything in particular, and it's, it's something about that inclusiveness that that just, it's all okay that allows real involvement. That is so true because the minute we ought to and we should, boy, then that rebel kicks in too, right behind it, right, and it's like, exactly. yeah, forget that. <laughs> It's like, I mean, I, you know, I was actually talking to someone about meditation earlier and, uh, you know, um, you know, I, I, it's a typical thing for meditators to get quite, you know, dogmatic and really down on themselves with their minds thinking. But actually, it's like, let your mind think. It's not the problem. You know, let it let it think all it wants, but just stay with the breath or whatever you however you do it. And, you know, if you don't if you meditate for 10 years and you never once you know, I'm not saying you have to meditate, well, obviously, but using that as an analogy, you know, and you, you don't once hit that moment of pure, pure moment of being present. That's okay. You know, it's okay. Just be with it. 
Yes, I love that. I was telling someone this week also about meditation. You know, at first it seems like the mind races and races and races, but it does start to slow down. It's just, it's not used to have being observed. It's used to... <laughs> yeah. it's, used it's a to, paradox, isn't it? Because yeah. if you try and stop your mind, you're not going to stop it. <laughs> if you say to your mind, you can do what you like, <laughs> you know, you do what you like, mate. It's fine. I'm just going to sit in the other room and twiddle my fingers doing something else. And that's that's completely... Then it then it's fine because the mind thinks, well, oh, it's not so much fun now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're just giving it permission, you know. Here, are you free? That's excellent. So I've got a, a writer on the the line. I would be silly not to ask for your greatest tip for writing. How do you get into that space where it just, as you said, something it flows through you, something greater than you flows through you and kind of writes yeah. itself. Absolutely. I think that's absolutely true. Well, I think the first thing to realize is that because then you don't have to get off on the idea that you have to be good or bad or anything else. Um, it's about actually sitting and doing it. I think I think a routine is great. I think doing work on yourself, as far as I'm concerned, is great in terms of releasing emotions, releasing trauma, releasing everything, because then the body wants to speak anyway. Um, or things there is room to be for the body to be spoken through. Uh, I think it's not to feel you have to come up with something, something ex- extraordinary to move people. I mean, it depends what sort of writer you are. I mean, I, I work with emotional stuff, I suppose, so it's different to doing a detective novel. But um, but if it, from my point of view, if you want to connect with other people, then really speak authentically from what's true with yourself. And the more the more um, uh, connected you are with that, the more you continuously work with the process of it, the more other people will will feel it because as you know at that level there's one heart you're opening to the great heart you know your heart is just an individual aspect of that great heart but the more that your heart can allow itself just to to be free then of course you're connecting immediately with everybody else and we're all we're all glorious failures if you want to put it that way we're all <laughs> glorious <laughs> idiots when we're all marvelous you know and it's fine and we don't need to hide i mean american culture as i understand it has been very success driven which is great it's come up with lots of things but of course the the problem with that is that people aren't okay with feeling the the, the negative of that the the underlying sort of the the, the shadow side of that um, and we need to be okay with both. And so if you're writing, I'm going to something else here, but if you're writing, it's to allow all of that to be expressed. Um, and one other thing, actually, I really want to say, because it's something I've struggled with a lot, you hear a lot from writers, and, and they may well be right, that you should write every day, you should do this, it must be obsessive, you've got to, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. And um, I, I don't think that's true. I think you have to be true to your own um your own routine, the own way you do it. And the one thing you do have to do is to make sure you do write regularly, but you know, it, 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 it doesn't have to be in any rigid way. Um, and obviously the more you practice, the better you get. Wisdom from the heart. Thank you for that. That was wonderful. And we always love to learn from what we ourselves have overcome. So I love that last part too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, of course. Yeah, absolutely. So what's next for you? Do you are you working on another book? Do you have any events I am, coming up? I am working on a, on a book at the moment and I'm quite near finishing it actually, which um, I'm, I'm bringing a bit of sex into spirituality or spirituality to sex. This is the, uh, the uh, you know, uh, what they call it? I can't think what they call it offhand. Bonk Buster. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, because I tell you why. Because I think that his story. I mean, the reason is that he just felt that it needs something to be written, which is usually how it is for me. But but it also feels like 
sexuality and, and sex in all its forms has not been honored because, you know, because, again, if people think, well, spirituality, whatever that means, which to me means just being here, um, but conscious of it, but seem to think that often seem to think that has some conflict with sexuality, because obviously in Christian tradition and a lot of other religious traditions, it it has it has sort of had that sort of it has been that way. But um, I think it's a very, very important thing to 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 open to celebrating sexuality. Um, it's not only about sex, by the way, but it's got that aspect to it. Um, and and to really to really realise how that can be expressed in various different ways. It doesn't always have to be pretty, you know. But it it it's 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 to be true, you know. Again, it's being authentic, and this is one area where people often aren't authentic. Yes, you're definitely speaking to me there. That's been a lot of my healing journey has been to overcome the trauma and then come to a place of of my own wholeness and then to explore a more positive way of looking at it. So it's completely rewriting the story. So I look forward to your, your book. So that's almost done, huh? It is. Well, I'm, um, yes, I think it is. I'm going through, I've done a number of edits and I think there's going to be probably a couple more, but yes, I mean, I'm pleased with it. It's got a... Um, yeah, and it is this. It also it is a you know, and it's also the aspect that you know we have this idealized love, don't we? We all want to have this perfect love, and if we're talking about with a person, with a person, um, but that can make us not appreciate the love that's in each of the relationships we have, which might not have that full-on, you know, um, trumpeting love, and 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 it, so it also involves that journey, the sort of um, even the momentary one-night stands of of our lives or whatever not that any of us of course would have those just forbid the thought <laughs> but um you know it's this sort of you know even all those sort of um experiences we might have had you know we, we sometimes people are so self-damning about these things and you think you know what it, it, it you, you could change that and see it as something beautiful and loving and glorious in itself Yes, I would say that overall has been how the shamanic practices have changed my life is I have made peace with all of my life. And, and you're right, there are about a million ways that we judge and make ourselves wrong or bad or whatever and, and lock all those places up and, and say, I'm never going to do any of that again until we're in this little bitty box trying to live our lives. Oh, so, and, you know, I, and I've had background, you know, I had a background that was um, um, by coincidence not quite, quite religious. My parents weren't religious, but I was sent to a religious school for a while. And I, I really suffered for it and I even now quite a lot a lot of um the drive for for the sort of freedom and the opening is 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 because of the damage and rigidity of of that religion I don't want to dis religion obviously I mean people are very authentic with it but for me it was very um constraining to what was real for me what was natural what who I knew I was and or am and you know that conflict, and you could take, you could use religion to just societal rules and laws and all the things people think we need to imprint on kids, because otherwise they'll all go, you know, feral. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just think we need to question this because I, you know, okay, I think children learn from 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 what they they see, not from what we tell them. Yes. And if we can't do it, if we can't be free, if we can't be loving, if we can't be um, humble, if we can't see ourselves for the sort of glorious fools we are, then how can they? You know, you, just because I tell someone they should behave or they shouldn't do that, that's just rubbish. They, If they watch what I do, if I somehow emanate this sort of 
lovingness if i you know muck things up and then that but that's okay and if i then get something's right and that's okay then then they've got a chance to live in freedom with it you're so refreshing i love the way you are accepting of of yourself and the rest of us warts and all as the expression says (laughs) well i think it's a huge you know you know i think it's hugely important and i just you know you just hear so many moral judgments everywhere yes um and you know it's not that i don't have them it's just that i recognize them for the lies they are yes and isn't that an interesting thing to do when we've gone on and had so much education and spent a lot of our hard-earned time and money to to cram our heads full of information and wisdoms quote unquote only to spend the rest of our lives unlearning that (laughs) you know what i mean that really really resonates for me because my dad was a very much an academic um you know i was brought up to think that academics is what it was about um and I realized, I mean, I was sort of fortunate and unfortunate. I went to a number of different schools, but in a way that probably allowed me not to be totally sausage factory. But, <laughs> you know, basically it's like pushing the life out of you. I, yes. I've said recently, you know, most schools in England, I don't know about America, they wear a uniform. Well, what the hell does uniform mean? You know, you, you want them all to be the same. You want them all to fit into the nice little box because you're fearful that people don't do that everything's going to be chaos which is rubbish because it isn't but it's it's the fear and fear drives so much and and i found that you know i i would consider myself overeducated i i you know i think god how often do i have to think things through when it's easy just to drop into the heart and forget about thinking it through um you know there is a place of course for intellect I, I think that's an important thing, and, and we need to have discernment and vigilance, which I think I remember reading something Gangaji wrote about that, and I absolutely couldn't agree more, or, or I, I, I bow to her wisdom. But um, the, the, so intellect is important, but it needs to be flavored all the time with a connection to love, whatever we, however we want to, well, I think we feel it is not descriptive. Well put. Very well put. Neil, I could visit with you all day. I've so enjoyed our time together and all that you bring and share with us. Thank you very much for that. I'd like to ask you if you have a parting thought that you'd like to leave our listener with today. Hmm. Well, I think within the flavor of this, I would say, hmm, I'll tell you what, I'll just tell them all to go and dance. I think it's a lovely thing to just dance because you know what? Dance around your kitchen, dance around your, your house. Let your body express itself rather than your mind or your, your judgment. Feel your body moving and stick on some music loud and go mental. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That has to be one of the most fun parting thoughts I've had on the show. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's so, uh, great. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed that. Oh, I have too. And thank you so much for joining us. Let us know what you thought of the show today. You can reach out at info at journeyofpossibilities.com and be sure and give us some support on the website as well. And we'll see you next week on Exploring Possibilities.